Hi, Kel. Hi, Tim. How you going? I'm good. How are you? Good. I've, uh, you're a bit loud. Oh, uh, good. You're yelling much more than you were oh. before. Hang on. Let me turn you down a bit. I'll adjust as well. All right. Hi, Kel. Hi, Tim. That's better. We're even now. Okay. Hang on. I'm going to turn myself <laughs> up a bit. <laughs> um, Shall we start again? I mean, this One is all gold. <laughs> Pure gold. Hi, Kel. Hi, Tim. How are you? I'm good, thank you. How are you? I'm all right. That cup of tea was beautiful, but it made me realise I have to go to the dentist. Oh, I thought you were going to say you have to go to the toilet. <laughs> no, I've just been. You just went in my front yard. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm like, wow, you yeah. might have a problem, dude. You need to go to the dentist. Yeah, you know when a hot drink makes your teeth go, ow. No, I've never had that experience. You're so lucky. Is that like a you need a filling or something? Yeah, there's a massive hole and the nerves exposed oh, and all that kind of thing. I don't have any fillings, so I don't know what that feels like. You're sorry so lucky. Gloat. I'm sorry, everybody. I'm all fillings. Yeah, it's just the stubborn understains keeping you together, right? <laughs> <laughs> I've only had teeth removed. I've never had stuff injected into my teeth. So basically they haven't been a little bit bad. They've just been so bad they've got to come out. Well, it was more due to overcrowding in my oh, teeth. Wow. When okay. I was like in primary school, I had six teeth removed. <laughs> Could you imagine my face with the extra teeth? <laughs> I would look wow. like um, something else. But yeah, thank God for the Australian dentistry uh, system, whatever. <laughs> the, the, the system in the, in the 70s, 80s. Maybe public health, national public health, health or whatever yeah. you call it, yeah. They used to, you know, we used to go and get our teeth looked at and honestly, six teeth. And then later I got one wisdom tooth removed at the dental hospital. Oh, me too. And then wow. 10 years later or more, I got the rest of my wisdom teeth removed in the chair at the dentist, like intravenous Valium, wow. cracking fucking teeth in my skull <laughs> with the, the dentist with his foot up on the chair yeah, wrestling my too. head. I've had that. It's crazy. It was brutal and I was so out of it. I'm like, you know, they could have taken all my teeth out and I was like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Good times. Good times. Teeth, hey? I actually drove past the dental hospital the other day and I was remembering all the crazy visits there. You know, you'd go really early in the morning, yeah. remember? My memory of getting that tooth taken out was I had this big Polynesian dentist who, like, he, you know, he was just above me mm -hmm. out and above my head, like, doing all the stuff. He just had to pull out one of the top ones. It was really easy. It wasn't yeah. compacted or anything. And he patted me on the head because I had dreadlocks at the time. He patted me on the head and said, there you go, Elizabeth Taylor. <laughs> <laughs> and I just looked at him and went, "Wow, what? <laughs> and then I thought, oh, he thinks I look like Elizabeth Taylor. <laughs> wow. like, he was looking at me upside down. That's going to make anyone look weird. So... I felt really good after that. Friday night, big week. Both of us have probably Ooh, had a Friday big week. Friday night. Yeah, yeah, party on. Underneath my house drinking orange tea. This is definitely the last episode in series one. So we're wrapping it up with two fairly obscure releases, I guess. Not many people know them. For some people, it's how they were introduced to us. True. Like Felicitator, the yeah. EP. Yeah. But yeah, they're, they're pretty random collections, I suppose. Yeah, so Felicitator was an EP we put out in 1993. Now, stop me if I'm wrong, but my the way I remember the story is that we, the American tour failed, like we were all ready to go to America on the back of Burn Out Your Name through Tang Records and it fell apart at the last moment and we weren't able to go. And we more or less turned to each other the following week and went, well, fuck it, what are we going to do? And so we went to Vibrafeel and recorded some new demos and one was lost in the snow. Mm. And uh, we'd been tossing up the idea of putting out a second single from Burn Out Your Name. Mm -hmm. And of course, again, we didn't put out Row You Off. <laughs> yeah. And so we decided to put our button without mm. the intro. So it comes straight in on the jing, jing, jing. Yeah. So we got the go-ahead to do that from the guys at Survival and uh, they said, why don't you just chuck a few more songs on, make it an EP. Mm. Uh, and so we did. I think you chucked the title in. You got it from yeah. somewhere. 
Yeah, felicitator. It means like it's from the word felicity, which is a happiness. So yes. it's like to make you happy, something that makes you happy. Yeah. And uh, we put Button out. We got the demo from Lost in the Snow and a handful of other random things we had lying around from Vibrafeel. Mm. And we put it out. So do you remember like much about that period <laughs> specifically? No. And I'm listening to you talking about the background of why we did it. And I'm like, oh, okay. I don't remember this. But now you mention it, yes, it makes perfect sense because that's our general reaction to like, oh, something's fallen through. What do we do? Oh, let's put a record out and keep yeah, touring. Definitely. But there's like some interesting songs on this record. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah. In fact, between the end of Flower and really after Burn Out Your Name, we recorded heaps of demos at Vibrant Feel. Like, there's so many songs. A lot of them appear on that seven-year glitch album. Yeah. Things like Weird Day and Everything and Nothing and all these songs that just sort of like never end up being used for anything. Yeah, we had a ton of stuff sitting around. Mm. And I make my singing debut. Yeah. And how cool is it that your opening line, you know, we didn't even think of this at the time, was here I am. Oh, <laughs> no, I never thought of that yeah, either. Yeah. And also on Millionth Wish, it's funny because we already started doing that in between a thing, which we obviously fell into again later with Dart and all those songs. Yeah. And again, even right back then, it was sort of like the natural way to approach vocals together. Yeah. Because I was a fairly uneasy singer. Like mm -hmm. I, I loved singing, but I didn't feel very confident. And so the harmonizing was hard. So yeah. I think that it was like, let's sing opposite each other. Mm. And that really worked for both of us. And it's so funny listening to, well, not funny, but it's kind of cool listening to recordings of a band who were still finding their feet really in the days pre autotune and stuff like that. Oh, so, like, yeah. <laughs> but it's kind of great. Like, you can hear, yeah, you know, we're pretty okay. Like, we're not terrible, but it's got a lot of character. There are some things where it's like, whoa, I am singing way off here. Well, I listened to Felicitator just before, and I'm surprised that it was actually really pretty okay, pretty good. Yeah. I mean, I guess that's the thing. We're under so much pressure now to sound mm. perfect that when you do hear something kind of wobble or yeah. kind of not hit the note right on and then it gets to it, mm. you know, that's not allowed anymore. Yeah. And it's that's just a natural way of singing. Yeah. I mean, I do, my ears do prick up over pitch stuff, like if someone's really flat for a while or something like that, but mm. little nuances and little mistakes that I actually love. Like mm. it reminds me, you know, we were just talking before about I'm collating this uh, collection of demos at the moment. And there's all these recordings we made in the practice room, which we haven't listened to for nine years, right? Mm -hmm. We just set up all the mics, recorded music, we just played whatever came to us. And there's all these stretches of music which run for three, four, five, ten minutes where we're just jamming on a theme. And, you know, I'm going through, and if there's any real clangers or if we really just drop the ball or we stop the song, I'm editing that out. Mm. But there's plenty of points where someone will do something weird on guitar and I'll go, oh, and then I'll go back and listen and go, eh. And then I'll, the third time I listen, I'm going, that's a fucking keeper. That's awesome. You know what oh, I mean? Okay. Like all these weird little things. So is it you just on the guitar or is Derek playing guitar also? No, it's me and Derek. And Derek's presence is large because he's we're panned hard so uh -huh. you can really hear what we're doing and you and Dean are in the middle. Mm. And uh, Derek's doing a lot of his very atmospheric like orchestral reverb pedal yeah, stuff yeah. as well. And uh, there's some sections which are really ambient and drawn out and there's some crazy ass, you know, very complex beat, Danish kind of rocking sections as well. And there's all these weird little bits of shit that happen on the guitar mostly mm. and the bass where you go, holy crap, that's weird. <laughs> and I go, I'm leaving it in because it sounds like a band doing exactly what it is, playing in a room and making it up on the spot and never mm. having rehearsed it before in their lives. And it's kind of really refreshing and sounds really real. Button because we've talked about Button on the Burn Out Your Name edition. Yeah. We can touch on Lost in the Snow. Like it's, you know, obviously the first version of the song we recorded. It's slightly less dynamic than the one that ended up opening our next album, Feel Yourself in Music, but it's got all the stuff there. I really like it. Right. I, I suffer from demoitis. Yeah. So I probably just instinctively remembered 
that because I probably listened to that particular version to death for probably uh-huh. more than the version that was released. Okay. As soon as I hear that song, I'm like, oh, I'm transported. Yeah. It sounds like Vibrafeel and it's like, it actually sounds really good. And you can hear that it's a band just freaking head down, bum up, going for it. Yeah. Yeah, it's that's fun. cool. So the next song is Funny Fish. Yeah. And so this is one of those things, um, the adding in of the acoustic song in a record to kind of flesh it out. It was very big in the 90s. I don't know if it really happens anymore. It might. I don't know. (laughs) I don't know either, actually. It's definitely a technique of filling out (laughs) B-sides. Yeah. Um, A technique. It's It's not even a technique. It's just a thing. Yeah. And so Funny Fish is always one of those songs that people even still ask I for know, at gigs. yeah. What it is was, that? I don't know. Like, this is super old. Like, I wrote it in, like, 1988 in Townsville or something like that. <laughs> and it was my clumsy attempt at writing a Pixie song. Really? Yeah. And it never went anywhere. You know, I just played it at home to my girlfriend or friends or whatever. Played it at parties, played it at solo gigs. And uh, in fact, I've got a really, really dodgy live recording of the of Screen Peter playing it at the Treasury, or the Madman <laughs> playing it at the Treasury. Oh wow! Full band version. The lyrics on it are pretty clever. Um, when I was listening to it just before, something about you know mercury in your tongue type thing. I think it was about someone who their girlfriend's dying of food poisoning. I think we've had this conversation a billion years right. ago. I think okay. I asked you, "What yeah. does it mean?" And it was about food poisoning. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Because I always thought it was... I kind of associate this song to a girlfriend of yours at that time, uh-huh. even though it's about food poisoning. Yeah. <laughs> Probably tells a bigger story. <laughs> <laughs> so about five years ago, we all want to. We're playing this festival out, like, I can't remember, like, out bush somewhere, you know, reasonably close to Brisbane. And we all stayed over in tents and we got pretty smashed. And we were sitting around the campfire late at night, like, really <laughs> drunk. <laughs> and this guy, Jules from the Sunshine Coast, remember that guy who used to run a printing? He stumbled into our like little campground and he's like, Tim, Tim, you got to play Funny Fish for me, man. you got to play Funny Fish. And I'm like, fuck, I haven't played that in so long. can't remember. And like, I was really drunk around the fire trying to play it and I was fumbling it and getting it wrong and not remembering. I ended up just like throwing my acoustic guitar on the fire. Oh, my God. <laughs> really? Yeah, I mean, I grabbed it out straight oh. away, but it was just one of those hilarious things. <laughs> oh, goodness. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if it's been yelled out at us recently. Me neither. Like, it's it happened all the time. Yeah. It's almost like snail trail as well. Sometimes <laughs> someone will yell out, play snail trail, and it's like, oh, funny. Honey, hon, this ain't much fun. You gave me that mercury on my So yeah, Funny Fish. Yeah. And I've seen you play it acoustically many times as well. And yeah, an enduring classic, random classic. I find it a bit boring now. Like I listen to it in the car and I was like, oh, come yeah, on, it's finish boring. it up now. Moving right along. Don't turn around. They could be watching you. And every 
Moving right along is Terminal. This is another one that we recorded in that interim between Flower and Burn Out Your Name, never yes. end up going anywhere. So my memories of this song are having it put on the release that was put out in Europe when we toured with the oh, Chevelles. Of course. of course it was, yeah. And Screaming Tribesmen. So it's on this single, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was like a random, didn't fit anywhere. It kind of has that special like, oh, I really love this song because mm. I haven't, haven't it played to it to death. Yeah. yeah, And there's one bit in it where I always think you're saying, are you feeling terminal, Louise? Oh, that's right. Because <laughs> <laughs> Louise was Tony's girlfriend. Yeah. And so, yeah, whenever I hear, <laughs> are you feeling terminal at ease? Is that the lyric? Um, feeling oh, you termi- feel a terminal unease. Yeah, so it sounds like you're feeling terminal, Louise. <laughs> <laughs> and um, so I always think of Louise when right. I hear this song. And I think of Rockborn Terrace, where mm-hmm, you all mm-hmm. lived. Um, it's so funny how songs evoke these random memories yeah. of like, I can see that place, it's all brick and it's yeah. down a really steep street. And then I see the single cover and I see the Screaming Tribesmen logo and I kind of see bits of Europe. Yeah, right. And it reminds wow. me of all those things. I'm pretty sure we would have played it in Europe. Heaps. Yeah, we would yeah. have. Yeah. That's so weird. Yeah. That was um, a really fun time traveling around Europe. We haven't really talked about that, have we? No, not really. Class? I only touched on it. Yeah. I mean, we probably don't remember a lot of it. It was a huge, like, drinking bonanza. It certainly was. I put on 10 kilos. Yeah, I probably did as well. <laughs> and that was just from drinking your body weight in Beaujolais and eating cheese and eating cheese and bread. Yeah. Yeah, what a time. The best of times. <laughs> um, but yeah, Terminal, I think it's a pretty okay song. Yeah. And it's, it's pretty energetic and very screaming. Energetic. And, yeah. yeah. It's a cool one. It kind of would have been a home on Flower and you could probably even push it on to Burn Out Your Name yeah. if you wanted to. If we put it on Burn Out Your Name, we probably would have slowed it down a bit. Mm. I think all these songs, they basically got shoved off the table when all the Burn Out Your Name songs came in. Mm-hmm. Like when we wrote Fingers and Toes and wrote you off, like that was like this new chapter of songwriting at Houston Terrace. And... Um, these songs just got, you know, shoved mm. out of the way. Yeah. Songs. Yeah. Like children. Shove them out of the way. <laughs> Next one's here. <laughs> it's a millionth wish. I listened to it a few months ago when I was on this walk and I don't know why, but I put it on and um, I was quite impressed with how it sounds pretty decent. I think it sounds, uh, you were saying about your, you know, your singing being hesitant or whatever, but it's way better than all the singing on, say, your solo album. Yeah, it wasn't that I was hesitant in my singing. I wasn't confident, but I put on the bolster, right. like I pushed yeah. it out because yeah. that's the type of song, that's mm-hmm. the type of band we were. The solo record was not that type of singing, so I tried to tailor yeah. Or, yeah. or, you know, it was a bit more vulnerable and mm-hmm. stuff. But I know like back then when I did sing for Screen Feeder, I pushed it as hard as I could because right. we were so loud and yeah. I felt like I had to be screamy and yelly mm-hmm. and pushy when I do know I sing much better in between the vulnerable and the pushy for this band. So, yeah, I don't know, kind of saying that okay. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, lyrically it's about a like a long-distance relationship right. kind of thing, writing okay. letters to someone you're in love with. And the train of thought has disrailed. Yeah, making up words. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I actually like the lyrics in that yeah, song. Yeah, me too.
it's got a big, long, hard-working outro chorus yeah. section, which is pretty, oh, yeah, almost a bit punishing. I think when we recorded it, like, you wanted to, I think that ending was definitely something like, you're like, let's make this more... Of a thing. Yeah, more of a thing. Yeah. And so it became complicated and we mm-hmm. recorded it. And I think when we did play it again, we might have simplified it. Right. But we didn't really play it very often. No, I don't think we would have played it more than two or three times, actually. No, and I played it as a solo right, thing because okay. I also put it on my solo record. That's right. Yeah, and then recorded it in a different way and mm. everything. So, yeah. But it's a nice, uh, here's Kelly, step in. Yeah, it's funny how it is, yeah. here I am yeah. at the first lines. Yeah, I think it's it's a real me song. Go you. Oh, go me. Go little Kelly back hey. then. She was like, hey, give her a little pat on the head and tell yeah. her she looks like Liz Taylor. <laughs> Uh, what's next? There's a lot of major climate in nature. We can only let it pass. Real guys don't want to watch tarantula annihilate. They'd rather watch the cowboys kicking ass. Which says that she can't have you. Cause yeah, the last song on the record was an acoustic version of the Bernatty name song, Hold Blood. And um, it's got like quite a lot of interesting stuff on it. It's got some backwards guitar. Mm. It's got some guitar that sounds like a cello, but it's just actually a guitar. It's got some of your vocals on it again. Mm-hmm. We go in unison towards the end. But I think it's just one of those things we just had some time at Vibrafield and we're just fucking around with it and having fun and, you know, yeah, no pressure kind of thing. Yeah, I think we definitely did things like, let's just have a few things up our sleeve. Yeah. Um, yeah and I think it was just recording was reasonably inexpensive especially at Vibrafield and we could just you know if we had a few songs we were always a band who needed to get them down and move on and get the next ones up and running so we'd always just truck out there for a weekend and just record some so we could just move on mm. yeah yeah so yeah that's felicitated I mean not a whole lot more to say like not I remember really. being very very particular about putting the artwork together mm. and you know trying to present it as well as we could it looks good was that just a magazine picture yeah, I can't remember. It must have been stolen from National Geographic yeah. or some magazine somewhere, like we always did with everything back then. Mm. I'm doing that again now. Good. Yeah, I'm into like printmaking and just stealing photos from magazines. All the best art is uh, standing stolen. on the shoulders of giants, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. totally. <laughs> Possession is 99% the law. Is, is that, that a young no. one's quote? Who? Is that a young one's quote? No, it's like a thing. Right. Is it? Possession is 99, no, nine-tenths the law. Right. Look it up later and, and correct me. Someone look it up and phone in. Phone in. Phone a friend. Dear Kelly, you're an idiot. later we recorded another ep which was destined to be our last real release for ages wow a real long time in 2005 we put together an ep called delusions of grandchildren you don't belong no you don't belong come on come on come on come on Tell us about the title. <laughs> I think we've mentioned this we before have, yeah. about Dean. Um, Dean would mishear so many things because he's a drummer and he plays very heavy and loud. Yeah. He's got big ride cymbals that he would use as crashes, like, you know, 
he's deaf, <laughs> basically. And uh, hilariously, when we were ever driving around, he was always sitting in the back seat. You and I would be talking about something, and he would inevitably lean in between the seats and go, "What's that?" <laughs> yeah. and just say what he thought we said. So good. Um, and that's how we came up with his nickname, Rat Beef. Yes, which turned into the Beef. Yeah. And this is also how we got the title, Delusions of Grandchildren. I think I can even see where it happened. It was at his flat, Hawthorne Terrace. We were talking about something and he was like, blah, 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 Delusions of Grandchildren. And I was like, that is the funniest thing. Do you know that it actually, that's not correct. It's Delusions of Grandeur. And he was like, I don't know. (laughs) And um, yeah, we were like, we need to use this. And we did. Yeah, exactly. I think that I love this EP because like, You know, we've been touring Take Your Part for a couple of years and we were super on top of our game. And I think Derek might have gone into Intercooler at this point permanently and he walked away, well, kind of not walked away, but he kind of like just drifted away from Screen Feeder. And the three of us, me and Dean, would go into Bryce's studio, Zero Interference at Bowen Hills every week and rehearse and just muck around and write shit and record stuff on Dean's little cassette Walkman Mm -hmm. and just jam, basically, Mm -hmm. and come up with stuff. And the songs on here are pretty much all the result of just little noodles that we were able to take home on the cassette Walkman and stuff like that. Mm. And it really just sounds like a band having fun. The production's really lively, really sparse, really energised. Like, oh, well, I'm just talking about the studio songs, oh, the songs right, we gotcha. recorded with Bryce. Yeah, the yeah. Sort of four main sort of studio songs, because the rest of the stuff was kind of done at my place, right? Mm-hmm. But yeah, the production's fantastic. Bryce's mixes are awesome. They're just really spacious and energetic, and the parts are simple. Like, there's not a lot of double-tracking guitars or anything like that. It's all really simple and straightforward. Yeah. It's an extension of Take You Apart. Take You Apart. Yeah, it and really the songs is. are kind of like those ones that were left over. Or no, they came, the same time. they came later. They definitely were written as just noodles in the in the practice room. Yeah, yeah. Just like take your part. They're all straight tuning. They're all mm. major key, kind of like straight up chords, G, D. Mm. You know all that kind of stuff. Yeah. When we played it just now, we had a you know twenty second break. You were like, I don't like this song. I don't <laughs> like this song. <laughs> no, but I I had to think about what I'm saying because it's just a. That's a real negative reaction to have just to go, oh, I don't like this song. When I actually listen to it, I like it. Yeah. But it's like I think those songs I kind of put into how I felt when we did Take You Apart. Right. So they're songs that I don't feel really connected to. Mm. I don't feel connected to the first song very much. Right. But listening back to it, it's like, yeah, it's a good song. I don't, I'm not saying that I don't like it because I don't think it's a good song. It's like I have these other feelings about them yeah. in a weird way. I mean, yeah. the funny thing about the release also, there's none of your songs on it at all. Yeah. Which is weird. I don't know why. This one has got stuff that we kind of did together. There's like mm. free jammy kind of stuff. True. But if I just can go back a bit, um, the stuff about Derek, like he was playing with us mm. and then we did travel to the States. Yeah. We did tour. We went to South by Southwest and we played in LA and New York. And then while we were over there, Derek got a call from Intercooler guy saying, we've got an American tour. So he started doing Intercooler stuff. Mm. And because we actually hadn't made him a full member of the band, he didn't maybe feel secure and didn't know where he fit with us. Yeah even though we just took it for granted. And then so he actually joined Intercooler and left us and we were just going, what? What Yeah. What do you mean? And there was no bad feelings between us and Intercooler, but there was no conversation that really happened and I think it was all a bit awkward for a bit. But we love Intercooler. They're really great guys and they're good friends. And then Derek went off and did the Intercooler thing and then came back to us. I remember when he came back, uh, we were rehearsing at the shed. It must have been like late 2000s. And uh, we're just jamming away and he's just drifting around and he just kind of wandered in, picked up a guitar and just started playing again. Remember that? Yeah. No, I don't remember that, but that sounds very yeah. like the way Derek would come back. <laughs> and we just played. And I think we were doing a gig at the shed. Do you remember like doing a gig in the live room? It was like a party gig. Yeah. Yeah. Vaguely. And he just starts strapped on his guitar okay. and he's got this amazing memory and he just remembered mm. all those parts like note perfect. 
we basically didn't stop playing. We just kept playing and he just started up with us again. Yeah, and it was this golden age at the shed. Like we had this – so the shed was his recording studio. It was built by Intercooler guys and Derek took it over when they moved to Melbourne. So we've got this connection with Intercooler. It's quite interesting. Like yeah. We spent so much time at the shed and then when Derek took it over – um, it became like our clubhouse or our home even. Yeah. And we recorded so many things. We spent so much time there. I did my solo record mm-hmm. there. You did We All Want To yeah. stuff there. But there's that nice connection that we have with Intercooler that I wanted to bring up and Derek leaving to play with Intercooler and then coming back to us. Yeah. Back into the bosom of Screen Feeder. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Should we go song by song? I guess so. Let's do it. Okay. times and this is definitely one that i've got like this crappy old cassette recording demo of at home with no singing Ah, on it and stuff okay and i think we're still sort of in that hangover of like the strokes and all that kind of music at this time Mm. you know like we just wanted stuff to sound lively it's got a cowbell on it which we'd never done before no see that's probably one of the other things where i'm like "Mm, (laughs) i don't know about this right but it fits the song yeah it really does cowbell's not a thing i go to oh me neither (laughs) So it's a bit random. Yeah. I've used random three times tonight. It's a bit strange and interesting. Yeah, it Brave really is. even. Yeah. <laughs> Who did the... Um, what's the other word? Stupid. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> Ill-advised. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's just a really straightforward song and right. it really fits into all of those things that we did on Take You Apart. Yeah. So I just can't remove it from those songs. I came in late, I was trying to miss it, but now it's my fate to sit through it all once more. And I said, this time would be the last time. Like all the times before that, and all the other times. Oh, next time would be the last time. And then the next song. Uh, the next one is Blue, and it's got, like, these dogs barking. Yes. And I remember walking around in Nogra with my little mini-disc portable recorder with Pascal one night, and we just walked up some random streets, and sure enough, what I wanted was there, just random dogs barking in gardens when we recorded some of them. And I was like, that is what I want for this song. And I can't actually now remember why, but we used that. And oh, I mean, is it something to do with the lyrics? Not really. I think maybe, you know how, like... All throughout the years, there's all these titles I've always wanted to use, and you, you've been like, nah. One of them was Old Dogs. <laughs> oh, I wanted hang to on. call this EP Old Dogs. Old Dogs. Yeah, and I was thinking of having the sound of barking on it, and I think, you know, obviously the barking remained and the title didn't. I think I just wanted to call it Old Dogs because we've been around for a while, and, you know. Oh, are you saying doing... Old Dogs? Yeah, Old Dogs. I thought you were saying All Dogs. Because all dogs sounds kind of interesting. Yeah, true. <laughs> old dogs just sounds derogatory. Right. Well, that's sort of wanting to be self-derogatory. Um, I don't think we needed to do that. Fair enough. I would stand by it. Mm. We're not old dogs. You might be. <laughs> <laughs> the dogs is weird, but yep. I like that. It's um, it definitely gives you that suburban mm. vibe. And the music, I think. Looking back on it, I was kind of coming from an early Flaming Lips kind of standpoint where their songs were very super simple chord structures, very major key, very almost bombastic in that way. I think that's where mm. I was coming from music-wise. Okay. Waiting on the corner of the car park just for you Don't ask me why I didn't call Cause sometimes I didn't want to I'm licking all my wounds And making out like you don't make me one way 
very vivid memories of recording the film clip in my house right. on oh, yeah. a Terrace. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And there's photographs of us sitting on the front veranda. I'm wearing stripy socks. Mm-hmm. My the signature look I had for a while, skirt, yeah. stripy socks, yeah. and my continental New York City shirt. Dean's got a blue jumper on with white patches on it. Maybe all stripes. Yeah. And I don't know about you, but you've got your black hair. You're yeah. in your black hair yeah. phase. And I remember making the film clip. Some of the stuff was on the veranda. Some of it was in my lounge room. And some was in your car. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. And um, I kind of really like the song. You're not that sold on it? It's not offensive. It's not bad. It's not. I know what you mean. Yeah. Yeah. It's just a hmm song. Yeah. I don't even want to say meh. Just a <laughs> hmm. Hmm. But no, not in a bad way. Okay. You get the picture. I do. Why you feel blue. What about the title track, Delusions of Grandchildren? This is one I just recorded at home on my four track late at night. It's got that real bedroom vibe. Yeah, I like this a lot. You do? Okay, Yeah, wow. see, I like this kind of thing more than the straight up rock song, yeah, mostly. Okay. Very vibey. Right. Um, oh, thanks. Okay. Sounds great. Because, like, it's natural and it's, yeah, I don't know. It's just a little ditty, basically. Yeah, it's not a ditty. It's a vibe. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 10 out of 10. Oh, wow. On that song. Thank you. Wow, yeah. that's cool. I remember people used to give me shit for my home recording. Like, especially, I remember this mastering engineer in Sydney turning around to me at one session going, you recorded this yourself, didn't you? And he had this look on his face. <laughs> that's I was like, yeah, rude. so what? <laughs> yeah. What a rude person. Where's that person now? Yeah, exactly. He's not sitting exactly. in my house, like, yeah. doing a podcast about yeah. the records they've Bam. made. Exactly. Yeah. Come on, come on. you ever learn? Come on, come on. And let your body burn. You don't belong. So yeah, this is in the super early days of me digital home recording. I think I was like Cakewalk or Sonar, one of those really early multi-track programs. And you had your little digital um, um, mini disc player. I did, and I don't, I don't remember how I set everything up, but like this was like, you know, no, no real effects to speak of apart from a bit of reverb and a bit of EQ and things like that. Lots of reverb, not just a bit of reverb. Yeah, very rudimentary really, but you know. I was living at Arthur Terrace and this is where we recorded time after time in my bedroom there where I had my computer and and the hall. I think we did the vocals in the hall. And And I don't know why we decided to do Car horn on the beginning. Oh yeah, one, two, (laughs) (laughs) meep. Classic good timing. It's like comedic timing. I honestly don't know why we decided to do this song. I think we'd been doing it at duo shows. Oh. Yeah. Huh. I wonder why we were even doing it at duo shows. It's a really unusual song to pick. It's a beautiful song. Yeah, it's a great song. I love it. Yeah, me too. I'm not sure why. I used to do it. Money Changes Everything as well at okay. solo shows, which is another fucking classic. Mm, yeah. Cindy Lauper. But this came out pretty good. I remember we just dashed yeah. it off in a couple of hours and, you know, you did your backing vocals and it was all done. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was all super simple, came together quick. mm and we played this song at the only wedding that we've ever played in Sydney yeah. at the Petersham Bowls Club. Yeah. The wedding couple got married at a hall. Um, you got to help me out here. The hall is in like Annandale somewhere. And we played at that. So we were wearing, you know, we were all dressed up and we played a few songs at that. And then we went to the reception and we were the wedding band. We were, yeah. And then when the bride and groom were doing their wedding song, the wedding dance, their first dance together, it was the time after That's time. Amazing. I had to be a wedding singer and I was terrified and <sighs> petrified. And you and I did it. Wow. That's and it cool. was a beautiful moment and it was incredibly surreal. The wedding singers. Lying in my bed, I hear the 
Okay, it's good. What about this one? Summer Rat. So when we were setting up, we had to move some boxes out of the way and this started playing in the background and I just instantly thought that it was rocket science. <laughs> and I'm like, what? Why did this run out already and go to a, you right, know, another band. screen feed a radio yeah, yeah. type thing? Yeah, but it was me playing the keyboards. Yeah. And no bass. No bass. And I think like listening back to it, there's just one track of guitar all the way through, which does all the parts and manages to play, you know, little leady parts and rhythm parts and hold down the chords where it has to and play little twinkly things when mm. it wants to and things like that. And between the guitar and the keyboard, I think we did a fucking kick ass job. But also the drums. Yeah. They are the starring role yeah, in that song, awesome. you know. It's so funny because like back in Townsville when we started the band, any time that we wanted to have a song with toms in it, mm. me and Tony would always go, oh, it's jungle drums. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's great. Nothing wrong with an old jungle drum. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, Dean probably didn't like doing that either because I don't think he likes doing stuff on the, like, you know, I think he thinks that's a bit rudimentary. Really? Okay. I think I, think I he remember loves the jungle him. Drums. Does he? <laughs> yeah. Oh, no, I was just thinking, well, maybe it was Tony. He was like, no, this feels like it's like a drummer who doesn't know what to do right, goes okay. to that. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe I'm yeah. wrong. I saw myself in things I couldn't imagine before. A new one coming at me all the time. And all the world since they came up like old friends. And I don't even know which ones are mine. I saw myself in things I couldn't imagine before. A new one coming at me all the time. But all the world since they came. Yeah, the song's kind of weird and interesting, and for me, it's like uh, got enough catchy parts to make it good. Yeah, yeah. I think it's a one of those standout songs because it's so weird. It is. It, it kind just... of reminds me of Rancid in a way, like the, yeah. the way it moves and the singing and stuff like that. Yeah. When it comes to these types of collections of songs, I kind of instantly gravitate to the ones that just sound yeah, kooky. Yeah, kooky. You're right. Definitely. Slightly less kooky, but maybe even better song, Modern Morning. I love Modern Morning. I do too. This was one of those ones where we were like, let's just be free. Yeah. Let's live. Yeah. 
<laughs> I want to be free. And uh, so it's lots of strumming bass, which is like one of my things I don't do very often, but I love. It's like one of my happy places. One of my memories of this song is playing it in Townsville. Remember we went on a tour, we went up to Camden Townsville and Bree from Sydney yes. showed up. Yes. I think even unannounced, and yeah, she just she did. drove with us. Yeah. We couldn't really fit her in the car, but we just took her with us. Mm-hmm. And we played that song in a front bar of some venue. Was in Cairns. Was that in Cairns? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we played it for ages. Yeah. Like, we yeah. just kept yeah. playing it. And it was one of those times, I think, where we would get lost in stopless. Mm-hmm. And it was one of those moments where it's like, we just played yeah. and did what we wanted. Yeah. Can't you just tell a man what we're driving towards? I wasn't kidding when I said there'll be no rewards. I can move my arms and legs, though they're tied down with cords. I take it as a kind of modern warning. I can't allow for solitude to be my eyes. I can't rely on common things to get me by. I live in a tall building, but I don't like the sky. I've been staring at it since a Monday morning. I tried to kill off all that could be killed. My instincts are fell. And uh, yeah, I remember recording the song, and we just jammed on it for ages, and Bryce kept looking over his shoulder, going, "Should we wind it up?" And we're like, "No, nah, just keep it running, dude. Keep it running." It looks so beautiful like a monument of truth But I couldn't lie to it, it was piled up to the roof And I put so much effort into burning up my youth They were the only things I found worth keeping This is my stop, can you Another stop Another time we um, played Modern Morning was at our, in inverted commas, last gig ever in 2011 at Woodlands that was I think a we good did a really show. long version that night too Yeah, that was a long show, like we played for a long time yeah, I and like the long ending shows. went forever. Yeah, you're like out high fiving people. In, yeah. yeah, that's that's true. <laughs> Wandering through the crowd, mm. hugging people. Yeah, it was a really beautiful show. It was. It was, it was good. a good last show to have. Yeah, <laughs> we should wind things up then. <laughs> we probably should have. Um, again, the ending goes forever, and the ending of this record is a wonderful way to wrap up the end of this first season of our podcast because because this song is our theme tune. Nuts to this. Yeah. And do we need to play a bit of it because everyone hears it? Yeah. We've been hearing it for the last, you know, almost a year since we've been doing the podcast. So you know how it goes. Cute. So (laughs) I think we did talk about the genesis of this song. It's when we used to share a practice room on Stanley Street with Powderfinger, we would, like, not steal, but we would use their gear sometimes when they weren't looking because they were never there when we were there. But there was a Rhodes keyboard and we recorded it. Mm. And it's beautiful. Like, if you've never played a Rhodes piano, it's just gorgeous, heavy keys. Like, you know, you just you can pretend to be a good piano player, which I did when we recorded that. That's it sounds the story. like you know what you're doing on the keyboards. I really don't, though. Like, I don't know what I'm doing on the bass or the guitar. It's just, I'm winging it. It's called yeah. faking it till you make it. And then you basically come undone when someone says, play G, and you're like... Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <sighs> I, was asking, um, I was asking Blackie from the Hard-Ons about his electric guitar style because I love it. And I said to him, dude, your electric guitar kills me. You're fucking mad on that thing. And he's just going, I've just got one theory, dazzle with bullshit. <laughs> Does he say it like he's an English geezer? No, I've got my accent wrong then. <laughs> he doesn't speak like that at all. <laughs> but, yeah. Dazzle them with bullshit. Yeah, basically. I mean, that's my conversation style. <laughs> right. That's my lifestyle. Yeah, yeah. It's a good one. So that's that EP. That's both the EPs. That's the freaking, that's the collection, kid. That's it. Yeah. And it's nice to sit and talk about it. And we would never sit around and talk about it. So having an excuse to talk about it in a podcast like this is nice. Trying to think of anything else to do with Delusion's grandchildren. 
It came out on a label owned by Justin Holstein called Bad Cop, Bad Cop, which was sort of like a spin-off of Rhythm Ace, mm-hmm. when Rhythm Ace kind of like the dudes parted ways. Mm-hmm. And he put that label together. I don't know what else he had out. Like, I know he had that EP out, but I don't know if there's anything else. Mm. Speaking of labels, mm-hmm. Modern Morning, the song became our yeah. de facto label or what default. You, default. Yes, I sorry. always say de facto for default. Every time I see the word default, I think def cult. Yeah, right. <laughs> so this is our def cult label. <laughs> yeah, and it's the name of our website, and it's you know we put that name on our book and yeah, on yeah. all the releases we put out. And no idea why I love the word Modern mm. Morning. It mm. looks really good, and like the logo that we've created that you've created yeah. for it with. M's are upside down? or Morning's upside down. Morning's upside down, yeah. yeah. Looks so good, and that makes me very happy. Modern morning, it's got like that Mods Are Us vibe. Yeah. <laughs> and you know, the funny thing also about this EP, I'm backtracking, but like listening to it in the car today, like nothing remains from the Scream Feeder you heard in the 90s. Like mm-hmm. really, there's no shred of the guitar approach. Mm-hmm. The drums are totally different in mm-hmm. there. They're really free and loose and happy sounding drums not hard work Mm -hmm. intense drums anything like that the bass has lightened up as well Mm -hmm. it's become less bludgeoning and less hard work it kind of sounds like a new band which Mm. is kind of sweet at that point and then of course for years we did very little uh, recording wise especially yeah and this is when you went and did the Watts? No, I'd already done the Watts. Oh, this boy. was uh, <laughs> after the Watts, prior to Wheel 1, 2. Right. Okay. Yeah. So we were all in this transitional phase too. Yeah. So I started playing in other bands. I was in the Warm Guns and White Mansions. Yeah. Yeah, it was kind of the, like everything changed and mm. everything in the world had kind of changed. Our lives had changed. Yeah. And that's sort of like the final part of, it's like a culmination in lots of ways. How long was it until we did our next record? 12 years. Yeah, see, a lot of things happened in that 12 years. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And here we are now. Yeah. 6,000 years later. Still bashing it out. Still talking rubbish. Yeah. Still dazzling with bullshit. Still dazzling with bullshit. All right, well, that's us. Thanks, Kel. Thanks, Tim. Thanks for making the time. Thanks for you. <laughs> I'm so good at this. Thanks for saying thanks. Thank you for everything. Uh, That's the end of Series 1. Thanks so much to our patrons for being on board and being cool. You've been freaking awesome. Thank you so much. Yep. Thank you. That didn't sound very, like, real, did it? It was like, no, I meant that. I was like, that was a heartfelt, like, you know. It was humble. Humble. Thank you. I could tell that it was humble. Um, series two is going to be different. We're just chatting. We're going to interview Dean, Derek, our manager Joe, Tony, our old drummer, which is going to be fascinating. So stick around for that. What we're going to do is keep all the episodes here on Patreon for you. We're going to release the album episodes themselves on the streaming services shortly, but not the little in-between things. So not the little incidental episodes we did where Calvary's from a diary and little things like that. They're that only going to be for you guys. That's not going public. <laughs> yeah. And so episode two will be, I mean, series two will be all for you guys before anyone else in the world hears it, as always. And um, yeah, we've had a pretty good time doing this. I've really enjoyed it. Yeah. I've learned a lot about how to make podcasts. (laughs) Yeah, I've learned a lot about the albums we've made and some of the weird things that we do. Yeah. Next, I've got to learn how to put podcasts out in the real world. For the people who don't know, Tim has been recording and editing all of these episodes. Well done. You've never done this before, and you've done a great job. So, well love done. Love me a project. Yeah, love you a project. I love a project as well. I do live radio. You it's do. a completely That's awesome. different. Give us a little plug. Okay, well, how about we talk about what we've got coming up? So, I do a weekly radio show on 4ZZZ. It's called Heyday. I co host with this great lady called Kristen. She's from a band called Double Happiness. It's her show. I join as a co host. And basically, Heyday is music that's old. <laughs> it's from our Heyday, basically. So, little catchphrase is music that's old and new stuff that sounds old. So, it's a lot of, you know, stuff from the 80s and 90s. When does the show air? It's on Saturday nights, 6 till 8, on 4ZZZ, which is 102.7 FM. 102.1. Oh, God, sorry. It's 102.1, sorry. And it's also on streaming and catch-up. You can go to the Triple Z website 
and find the show listed. So I do that every week. Coming up in the next few months, I'm going on tour with Shoaib Ahmad as a guitarist in her live band. I recorded some guitar during the pandemic and she's put it out on a record and I'm part of the live, you know, I'm doing noise guitar, which I'm really excited about. So hang on, for those who don't know, who is she? Shoaib Ahmad is a Canberra electronic experimental artist. She's a really great friend of mine. She's known as Sia, but her performing, like, it's hard to explain. She's, she can be Sia or Shoaib Ahmad. So, um... I'm just going to put that out there. It's a complicated one for some reason. But anyway, she's put out quite a few records. I love them. And yeah, during the pandemic, I was kind of tasked with like making some noise stuff that she kind of cut up and put into the records that she was putting out. So yeah, there's going to be a full band, drums, percussion, keyboard, and viola and guitar. Wow. Yeah, really exciting. So that's happening throughout August and July. And then Def Cult finally has our album coming out in August and we tour in September and October. So I've got a heap of stuff that's coming up. Def Cult's new album is going to be really big and loud and fun. Have we got a name for it yet? It's called Future of Illusion. Oh. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> um, And so I play bass and sing. Yep. And really excited about this record. It's right up my alleys. I get to do a bit of shouting and a lot of very loud, distorted bass. You love a bit of shouting. I don't mind a shout now and then. <laughs> and I even get to scream. Wow. So I'm going back. I've regressed into my... Full circle. Full circle, yeah. And so that's me. I'm pretty sure I've covered everything. So the next few podcast episodes, you might be hearing me talk to Dean and Derek. And Kel, we will lasso you back in in around July or August for some episodes where we talk about our own projects post Delusions of Grandchildren, essentially. Yeah. So we've got a whole bunch of things that we've got planned. Uh, Hopefully I'll be able to get a little segment together while I'm not around to do the podcast properly. Um, You know, I want to still be part of it. I'm not going to not be part of it. So it's an exciting next six months. There's heaps of stuff going on. What about you? What are you doing? Um, Well, at the moment I'm doing this demo thing. I'm neck deep in it. Mm. You know, there's pushing up over 70 songs already. So I've got to formulate a cunning plan about how we're going to release it, what the tactic is to give it to people in the way that they can digest it the best and Mm. understand it. And, you know, it's not for everybody. But mm-hmm. the people who like it will probably love it because mm-hmm. it's endlessly deep and broad and long mm-hmm. and everything. It's got it all. Yep. So at the moment I'm doing that, I keep saying I'm going to record a solo album, but I'm procrastinating the shit out of that and not really doing it. So it might happen one day. I'll probably make a start on it before the end of the year. Are for you sure. procrastinating with the writing or the recording? You know when you make a solo album, there's only one person who's doing all the work. It's yeah. you. Mm-hmm. And so like... It's such a big project and it's like, fuck, I've got to get 10 songs together, 12 songs maybe, got to make sure they're all written, I've got to find the money to record. That's probably the biggest hurdle because I've, you know, gone down a lot of musical paths in the last, say, 20 years where I've thrown a ton of money at a project and seen nothing back. Mm. And, you know, you've got to do that sometimes, but it gets a little draining in all mm. senses. So I've got to either decide to bite the bullet and, you know, pay for some studio time or bite the bullet and up my game on the home recording front. Yeah. Or bite the bullet and just put out lo-fi shit that I've got already on demo versions and just four-track stuff, you know. There's lots of ways of doing it. You yeah, can do are. some recording yeah. and get someone good to mix it. Yes, you know, that's right. Just do whatever. Yeah, we're busy and we're doing stuff. So mm. you guys will hear about it, of course. And thanks again for your patience and your attention and your love. It's fucking great. Yeah. Thank you. Thanks, everyone. See you soon. See ya.